Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Inside Insights, a podcast powered by Zappy, where we talk about change from all angles. There's change all around us and how we work, how we grow, how we learn, and how businesses connect with the cultures that they want to integrate with. And this is a unique opportunity for us to interview folks who are covering change and driving change in their respective disciplines from all angles. I'm joined here today by my good friend and co-host, Babita Earl. Hi, Babita. Hello, Ryan. How are you on this fine day? It is a winter's day. It's brisk and chilly. And as you know, my office doesn't get the heat that well. So I have a coat on inside of my home at the moment. Um, And you might say, well, get a space heater or turn the heat on. And I don't want to do those (laughs) things. And it's Friday when we're recording this. Happy Friday. And to you and to you. Happy Friday. I love Fridays. You know, this whole working from home thing, it just, by the end of the week, you think, I need to leave this room, which is my study stroke office, and uh, not come back into it until Monday. For sure. And we're lucky. You and I both have uh, kind of hidden spaces that we can leave. Uh, I got a shout out to everybody who's working at their kitchen table, Hi. their bedroom bureau, their coffee table. I hope you find a way to separate uh and if you need any advice on that, hit us up. We'll connect you with somebody who's who's navigating it. Um, but yeah. we are a bit spoiled. So, Babita, I have a question before we talk about our interview. Uh-huh. Most people have Friday night rituals or yeah. things they like to do. So, taking me through Friday night at the Earl House, what, what's the what's the agenda like? Well, um, recently, well, during the day, I think about mm, what drink am I going to have tonight? So, which bottle of wine or bottle of bubbly? And then I like to tidy up which I'm a bit sort of OCD. And then on a Friday night, myself and my daughters will do a TikTok video. So the last few Fridays, we've been doing various TikTok videos, which they think is absolutely hilarious. And I love doing it. So that's the Friday night ritual. And then we'll maybe get a takeaway and just chill. You know, that's wow. ritual. What about yours? Well, for those who don't know, Babita's got some moves on the dance floor. I mean, you know, <laughs> that, that song that had moves like Jagger was meant to be moves like Babita. She's, <laughs> she's, got, she's got it going on on the dance floor. So her daughters are very lucky. So we're, um, you know, as you know, I'm a, I like to do nothing in the weekends as much as possible. <laughs> um, so my family on Friday nights, we, uh, we get pizza and then we watch a movie. And mm. uh, we're, we're not paying attention to the parental guidance. We're letting our kids watch the Harry Potter films. And today I think we're on number seven. So oh, we've been watching a Harry Potter film each Friday, which is kind of funny because it brings Jillian and I back to when Harry Potter was actually out. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to make cookies, eat pizza and watch a movie. And uh, yeah, similar to you, um, have a few drinks. So for us, it's a bottle of red wine uh, to keep to ground us into the sanity and relaxation of the weekend. So, Babita, we got a high profile, heavy hitting insights leader today on our podcast. Good friend of ours, partner of ours, legend. Talk to us about who we're interviewing. I'm pumped to get into it. Yes, we do. And you've uh, described her very appropriately. So um, I had the pleasure of talking to Elaine Rodrigo. She is one of the sort of celebrities, I would say, of the insights world. And um, she's chief insights analytics officer at RB. As you said, Elaine is a is a friend and a very good partner of ours. Um, I remember meeting her. I mean, I've always heard of Elaine and seen her various conferences. We're always on the same circuit. And this was, I think, about a year and a half ago. 
um, we ended up having dinner next to each other and we just talked and talked and talked all night. And we've got so much in common, children the same age, our love for champagne. And we just absolutely hit it off. And ever since, you know, we've been great friends and she's part of the um, Wire Exec forum as well. So, um, yeah, this this conversation was really, really good. And I think we should just go straight into it. And then you can tell me what you think of it afterwards. I agree. So, what are we waiting for? Yeah, let's do it. Today, I have the real pleasure of talking to a friend and somebody who I think has so far had an amazing career. And I'm really sort of chuffed that she's found the time in her busy diary to talk to us today. So I'd like to introduce you to Elaine Rodrigo, who is Chief Insights and Analytics Officer at RB. Hi, Elaine. How are you? Very well, thank you. Hi, Babita. Happy to be here. Elaine, it's really cool that you've been able to join us. I know how busy you are and being in the role that you're in. You know, our our podcast is really around bringing inspirational stories to our listeners around, you know, case studies of different careers. And, you know, you, you're in a really, really big position at RB. You know, you have a C-suite role, Chief Insights Analytics Officer, which you started. When did you start that, Elaine? Was that was just recently, wasn't it? Yeah, actually, it's almost coming up to a year, almost a year, time um, flies. Wow, and I bet you weren't expecting to be thrown into this role in the middle of a pandemic. How's how's life been for you, um, given the the situation that we're in? It must be really, really hectic and really trying because I know you've also moved countries as well, haven't you? Yes, I know. It's one of those things where, you know, it's like a, I think it was like a perfect storm, right? So I was, um, I'm moving countries, I'm moving companies. Um, uh, and then there's also this uh, pandemic going on at the same time and working in Rekibankiza with the brands that we have, I kind of, we found ourselves uh, at the heart of it, you know, from January this year. So yeah, you're right. About two months in, as you might remember, you know, trying to move a family and trying to commute and manage career and family across from Paris to London, uh, and then um, moving as well, changing companies, although in some cases, in this case, it's like coming home uh, because it is a company that I used to work for a long time ago. So that helped a bit, but still a company also going through a lot of change uh, yeah. within the organization for the better to set ourselves up, you know, and organize ourselves in a better way for the future. And then thirdly, this, the, the, the I guess this whole COVID situation that just kind of came from nowhere. So it became like this, um, to some extent, like a perfect storm, but you know, out of um, uh, out of sometimes these situations, uh, you know, I think I've, I've mentioned this before to you, but so I'm half Chinese, and you know, in Chinese, the word crisis, you know, it's made up of two characters. So crisis in Chinese is weighty, and one of the words actually means um, danger, and the other one means opportunity. So you know, in every situation like this, there there is a silver lining, I suppose, that come out that comes out of it. Uh, because some things, yes, it's 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 complex, but you know, I feel like kind of out of this situation as well, it's given me an opportunity to kind of supercharge the way um, that we want to look at insights and we want to have a seat at the table within RB. So yeah. I would not ask for this situation again, but you know, <laughs> I would say considering all this, um, being able, you know, after a year to come out of it, having driven driven some of the things that we have been able to within RB, and also having that real trust and support of senior leadership uh, within the company, something I'm very grateful for. 
yeah yeah it's interesting that you do um i didn't know that the the word crisis has that sort of yin and yang approach to it and i i, I totally believe in that you know when we went into lockdown earlier this year it was almost right okay we've got time let's use this time to fix things and do things that perhaps mm. we wouldn't have the space and time to think so um and then i'd like to dig into that change at your drive-in and also how you've managed through the the pandemic but i also want to dig into your career as well because where you've reached mm in your role anybody because you know it it may not be everybody's ambition but if you're somebody just embarking on your career you just think oh my god that just seems so so unachievable how did how did Elaine get there so I'm going to take you back and you're one of these people who okay. knows exactly where she's going so, so and and you've had many roles in the the FMCG space so tell us about your career and your path and your decisions that you made to to where you where you've got to because I think that would be really interesting for people to hear. Sure, sure. No, I'm 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 happy to to share kind of my story and my journey because sometimes people do ask me like you know how does a girl from Singapore I guess end up in the UK you know end up in in Paris uh, leading leading a function like this. So I would say I mean this is like taking me back uh, 25 years or more really almost 30 years. But you know I so I I would say. Um, you know, my approach, of course, I didn't think about it like this at that time, but as I frame it up, it's really three things. I think firstly, I've I've always I've always been ambitious. So I've always had an ambition about, about where I want to be. Um, it's like, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? So I've always had an ambition. Um, but then after that, to couple that with self-awareness of what exactly are you good at? Um, what do you actually love doing? Um, what are you not good, not like doing as well? To try and almost find that sweet spot there between what you're good at and what you love doing. And fortunately for me, because it's not the same for everybody, what I'm good at and what I love doing, so there, there was something that came together because I know people, for example, really good at doing something but actually don't enjoy it at all, right? So within that, that kind of self-awareness, I think of yourself, and within there, trying to find almost what would be my point of difference. So from a very young age, even when I was, kind of even before I started my career, I was thinking they're going to be like these thousands of people, you know, and, and what would be different about, about me? And then the last thing is, as you picked it up, Babita, is I always have a plan. <laughs> always. And I think it's not like, uh, you know, and I'm deliberate about it. So I have a short-term plan, a mid-term plan, a long-term plan. I've always, always wrote down as a child. Uh, but the thing is, over the years, the way I treat that has also kind of flexed. You know, I think I would say I was much more rigid about my plan, much more linear in early stages of my career. And as I went along, I realized, you know, I had to be much more flexible around my plan. So it's almost like, you know, I kind of know where my destination is and, and how I, I kind of work towards it. And so I'm from Singapore originally, but I knew I wanted to have an international career. So I decided to go overseas for university. But we have great universities, great education system in Singapore, but I just want to have, experience something different. So I went to Australia um, and I studied marketing. And while I was there, it's like I was thinking, what do I want to be? So my ambition was to have an international career. I, I knew like, you know, you're like, this is like, you're like 19, 20 years old. All I knew is I wanted to have an international career and I wanted to be like somebody in this kind of senior corporate leadership position. I like, I didn't really know what it was. Back then it was called climbing the corporate ladder. You might remember, you know, that's all I knew, but I had no idea. So I knew that that was my ambition. 
Then after that, you know, kind of self-aware, I studied marketing. And after I finished my first degree, I realized I didn't actually want to do the marketing. I didn't want to manage the four Ps and, and all that, but I really, really loved the, the knowledge part of it. Anything to do with knowledge, I left my market research module, I left my strategic marketing module. Um, I was just very curious uh, and expansive my thinking, I loved growth. So therefore, then I started thinking what's different about me is if I wanted to have an international career coming from Singapore, obviously being able to speak English and being able to kind of operate uh, in, a, in a kind of a global environment, but actually I speak Chinese. So I felt like that would be uh, something that would be different. So therefore I put a plan in place uh, where, you know, as I, as I kind of went along to say, okay, at each stage of my journey, uh, when I, I did a PhD to start off with, you know, that I would do it on China, for example, and I start thinking, okay, I've got to kind of look this a bit, or if I wanted to be in that knowledge space, it probably meant a career like much more in strategic consultancy or research or in marketing. Uh, so I, I kind of explored a research degree. So kind of over time, I, I kind of, that was just kind of right at the beginning, really. It's like taking me back at almost like literally 30 years. Um, but yeah, so ambition, kind of self-awareness and, and being very deliberate about my plan. Yeah, they're, they're really good three pillars, but I must admit it's super impressive how much rigor you've given to your thinking and uh, can be quite daunting for some people. And I know you're one of those rare individuals that, decided to choose this industry and we know about so many people that and we were having this conversation that people just fall into our industry and I think you know we have a challenge overall to get more diverse talent and to really show our industry for what it does and the kind of things that you're doing as a as a team within RB so obviously you've had your career really well mapped out there must have been some things that have gone wrong along the way, you know. So what are those? Come on, share them. And did you then learn from them? No, of course, for sure. So if you think about it, as I said, what I learned at the beginning, I mean, I made a plan, but it was quite a rigid plan. And when you have a plan, you also have to be able to be flexible around it. Um, you know, I think that was that was one thing that I learned. I don't think I had any kind of, I didn't have any disasters, I would say, in that sense. But I, I learned over time because I was putting too much pressure on myself. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's something you do learn. Like I was, I was setting myself targets, like I have to be a director by the time I'm 30, then I have to do this and I have to do this. And sometimes you don't. These are just self-imposed kind of targets. And you've got to be flexible because things happen, life happens. You've got to manage it as you go along. So I would say, it's probably taken me longer to get where I am. I always knew I wanted to get here. It's taken me longer to get here, but it's okay. Because once again, it was a deliberate decision. And actually my plan adapted to changes in your family, you know, and things that are going along the way. I mean, parents, it's, it, it changes things, right? So I had lots of leaps and yeah. I did manage to hit my target in the end of becoming a director by age 30. But then after that, I told myself, okay, now you're here, but that doesn't mean this is going to continue this way. Sometimes mm -hmm. you got to give yourself time to develop yourself and stuff like that kind of team, mm -hmm. you know, and give yourself time to go deep, you'll go wide. Um, and I, uh, you know, as well, and to kind of almost not be too impatient. So I had to, to learn that. And then I would say the biggest learning for me is um, when you're in this industry, think about, you know, I said what we're good at, what we do. And then when you're trying to actually manage life in a corporate world, 
what we do really well. I mean, why why do we do what we do? We really love uh, we love insights. We, we love data. We we love bringing results and driving that all in a very kind of objective way. But the thing is, once you get to a certain level of leadership, in able to land in uh, in order to actually land your thinking and make impact. It's less about just the what and about the how, mm-hmm. because this is when other things, other you know, political agendas, changes that are going on in the organization, personalities, all that comes into play. And very early on, I kind of misjudged that, how important that would be versus, but I'm bringing the objective consumer point of view. So because I'm bringing that, people should just sign up for it. Yeah. You know, and I think learning how to balance that. So I had some dramatic failures Uh, in the beginning in terms of trying to land that. But you learn, and that's when I realized the how is so important, not just the what. So, I mean, you've been in quite a few sort of client-side roles. Obviously, you were at RB some years ago, then Mondelez, and then Danone, and back up RB. How has the role of an insights professional changed over that time? And what do you think, I mean, you talked about the what and how, and I I totally agree with that. Mm. It's, you know, managing your stakeholders and having that seat at the table. So how does it change? What kind of skills are really, really important for insight professionals moving forward to Mm. have a seat at the table and to be future-proof? Sure. Well, let's just, let's just even talk about um, the name of the function. So I've been doing this for 20 years. I started off as a market research manager. So it was a market research function. And then after that, um, I was in consumer insights and strategy. So there's a a shift now. We're going away from research, which is kind of doing the projects and doing them well, to extracting the insights. So then it'd be, oh, the whole conversation was like insight to action. You might remember this, Babita, it's like dating us. But, you know, taking it back to then, it's like going from research, reports to insights and then after that from insights to action so that was when it was a, the we kind of the whole kind of industry got rebranded as insights yeah then after that strategy okay so it wasn't just insights to action but then it was about strategic thinking and then now i lead a group called insights and analytics because over the last 3 to 5 years this huge advent of data and digital and these two kind of areas of expertise, which maybe were, were kind of parallel, but now they've kind of come together. So, you know, you see it evolving over time just in terms of what we do. But when you talk about skill sets, I think what's really important is to really um, be stay ahead of the curve in terms of understanding what I said. We have to constantly reinvent ourselves. So that's what I tell people, because if you think about it now, none of us technically can call ourselves digitally native because, I mean, I don't know about you, when I was growing up, internet like didn't exist. Didn't exist. I remember so, the paper tables. Yeah. 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 But you can be digitally fluent. So I believe in, you know, in two things. It's like two analogies. There's always those conversations about unicorns and you want all these whole brain people who, who know art and science and whatnot. <laughs> and you know what? I think you do. But I believe, I, I heard this thing and I, it's, I'll quote somebody else because it's not me who came up with it. But I love the idea because he said, um, actually, I, it's not about unicorns, but it's about horses who can grow horns. And it's true. 
Because do you know what I mean? Like this idea of a unicorn just feels like we're all trying to look for this thing that doesn't exist really. But actually, we can all get there. So I think it's about understanding, once again, what is needed, trying for myself, trying to stay kind of one step ahead of the curve. You know, you talk about us being in insights. You, you should imagine if we want to be in this industry, we should at least be insightful and also to some extent have some level of foresight about mm-hmm. what is to come and try to anticipate. So I didn't know anything about digital or DMP or an API or anything like that first. I had to like Google all those terms the first time I was in a meeting, mm-hmm. but it's okay because you learn. Then that's my, my second analogy that I like to use is called eating an elephant in chunks, which is when you first tackle something really big, it just looks so daunting. But if you yeah. just take it like one step at a time, and I tell you before you know it, like you won't even realize it, but you know so much more, you made so much progress. So my thing for myself and my team is always to try to enable people to see obviously the destination, mm-hmm. but then start somewhere. Yeah, and that's where processes like agile processes are really beneficial because you sort of start with your small steps and you keep on improving and iterating and learning and, and not fearing getting things wrong. Because as you say, getting things wrong are probably the most valuable learning experiences that that you're going to have. And and that journey, you're right, we have to keep on reinventing ourselves. So so let's talk about your current role. So it feels like you've sort of reached, you know, the pinnacle of your career where you've got a a chief in your job site. So you're in a sweet, sweet role. What are the pressures that, that come with that? Because as you say, if you go back 30 years or whatever, you've had this career path and this is ultimately where you're you're heading. So I just like to get a sense of how that role is manifesting itself, and then 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 let's talk about a bit around what you're trying to do within RB in in this position. Sure, sure. I mean, I guess the question goes back to you know, firstly, why why did I actually want to do this role? And there are two things, right? One was um, I started in RB uh, almost twenty years ago, uh, and and as a young research manager, so my dream and ambition was to be sitting in this seat almost 20 years ago, which is why in a way it's, um, it's, really, it's really nice for myself, but actually also my, my colleagues, uh, my manager, because we kind of, we were all here back then. So it feels like this kind of almost actualization of like this dream that you had when you're just a young researcher, that's to do ambition. But it's like, I, it's like so much more. Back then, I just wanted to be at the top. But now it's like I do, it's different reasons and it really comes down to purpose, right? And purpose around what? There's purpose around impact, that you can make in the world, for example, Mm -hmm. through the organization that you're with, and then the impact that you have on people, people you work with, but you know, people also from from an industry or a function perspective. I mean, I've been in industry a long time. So obviously I have a a certain fondness for our industry and where we are going and how we are transforming ourselves. So being being in a role like this actually allows me to do both those things. So I, I managed to, almost to some extent, live my own purpose, my own ambition, but my purpose is to help people and in, in some way and the purpose of RB, you know, so we're, we're a company which is about hygiene, health, nutrition. So there's like a real kind of fit with on my own personal purpose as well of what I want to do in the world. Um, and then at the same time, from a kind of impact on people, right? You know, I work with uh, thousands of people across uh, the organization, 2000 marketers to start off with, but infusing them with putting consumers first, enabling them and empowering them to win in today's data-driven world and almost like craft the next generation of marketers uh, is something that, that 
you know, for me is, is something very important within the industry as well, being in a position where always being able to transform what we're doing in this industry, uh, leading from within, I guess, to some extent, uh, is also is something that, that I also really value. So, you yeah. know, those are, those are some of the reasons why I want to do it. The pressures, yeah, for sure, there, there are pressures. And it's quite interesting because, you know, sometimes they say it's like, you know, you, you kind of almost get, get what you hope for, <laughs> uh, but there are things that come with it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I must say, you know, back then when, um, try to imagine like a town hall and you see we'd go, see you would go on stage and then somebody would ask this question. It's always kind of like, so what keeps you up at night? Yes. And that was just a way of asking a question so people would tell you what was kind of really on their mind at that point in time. Yeah. But now I really get it. It's yeah. like, what, what keeps you up at, at night? And um, so what does keep you up at night? Yeah, what keeps me up at night? I mean, two th- a few things, right? One is obviously, you know, organization this year. I mean, we are on the right side of uh, on consumer demand just because of the way it is. But just honestly, just trying to help people. So just trying to keep up with that, that the pace, the pace is incredible, is really accelerated. Mm-hmm. So there's so much going on, but how can we continue to, to do what we do in order to actually meet that consumer demand, to try to kind of live our purpose, you know? So that's that's one part of it. Um, another part of it, which is a daily thing, is obviously about managing people, trying to put consumers yeah. first, but you're also trying to put people first. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that I take very seriously in terms of my people, where they are. And sometimes you can't go as fast as you want to. It's also been a strange year. So there's, there's that, managing the organization, not just around what is the right kind of structuring, making sure that people are in jobs that, that are, are right for them. And then at the same time, thinking about the future. So what are the competencies and skill sets that's required? Kind of a lot going, I would say kind of a lot going on. Um, not, I don't know whether I classify it as pressures, but you're, you're right in that, that definitely there's a lot kind of weighing on your mind at any point in time. Um, mm-hmm. And they're all important <laughs> yeah. to some extent. So when we talk about transformation, because you talked about that, you know, it's um, the transformation that you want to drive. And obviously we talked about people's, we work with many organizations around digital transformation. What's mm. RB's view around and what around that uh, topic and what does digital transformation mean for, for you? And where does that appear in your priorities, I guess? Really, obviously, it's really high on the priority list, just like uh, with everybody else. In some organizations, you see actually the digital and data transformation running parallel to a CMI organization. Because I suppose to some extent in some organizations, in order to kind of get that and supercharge that, they feel that there needs to be focus. And in, you will see that, I mean, I hear it a lot when I go to SOMR, MRS, and people ask me questions about almost the, the pressures coming on the kind of classical, I hate that word, you know, CMI world from data and analytics, yeah? So my perspective though, is I don't see this. I don't see this challenge. I see it all together. I see it as opportunity, but it's how you wanna approach it. So for example, if anybody on an industry did not get the memo like four to five years ago that there's a digital and data transformation, then okay, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, I was in a, a round table some months ago where somebody asked me you know, you know, whether I felt that um, the COVID situation at the moment was creating and bringing digital and data disruption to our industry. And my response was, 
if you didn't get, if we, not you, but if we didn't get that memo four to five years ago, it's nothing to do with COVID. It's just that I think the current situation is accelerating it. It's supercharging yeah. it. But then secondly, it's a skill set. It's a skill set that everybody needs. Uh, we have been on the journey anyway within RB to actually dial up the, the digital skill sets uh, over the last, it's not as if I was the one to come up with the idea. It's been going on now for a couple of years. Um, and within what I've done, at least within my team, when I came in, and as you know, because we work on, together on some of this, Babita, specifically with Zappi, um, is when I came in, I saw that the good news was that RB was already on the journey right. towards this digitalization of insights. So, you know, some of the things around agile automated tools, social listening, but the difference was that it was only in a few places. So there were these sparks in some places. And or what I've done or what I intend to do coming in is to scale it. So what we're doing now is we're scaling the tools that we believe uh, are right for this digital data transformation um, and putting it all in one place. So the first thing is to put it in one place and make it accessible to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a skill up. There's a skill up around people using it and then this kind of deployment and pushing it within the organization. Yeah, I think it's that, it's that saying you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So you can put these platforms and tools in place, but it's how as a leader, you are thinking about building the confidence of your team. So it's that sort of, that how these tools then change you as an insight professional and how you can be a professional that thinks about foresight and about strategy. So taking your team on that journey, I think is a, is, is a really hard thing to do. And how are you approaching that? Because it's technology, but it's the people and it's doing that at scale, which is, is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, the principles are the same, but mm -hmm. sometimes the phasing is different. So if I think back to my previous role, right, is that there was a huge appetite within your, there was this huge disruption company coming within the organization from senior stakeholders uh, at the start of 2017 mm -hmm. about the need for the, the insights organization to evolve, right? But the thing is, is that there was a huge message coming from senior leadership. It was very disruptive, but I could come in. I had time to first speak to everybody uh, about this. So what happens is I notice the first time you talk about this, about a third of the people just kind of just jump on. So there'll be the, a third who say, I'm, I'm in and I'm just going to go. And they just kind of take it and they just run with it, Right. And then there's another third who are like, mm, I'm just going to watch this a little bit, or I kind of want to, but I don't know how. And then there's a third who sometimes never get there, just roughly. But when I was in my previous role, it's like I had about, I had the six to 12 month window, let's say, when I could kind of set the, this is what, this is the ambition, this is where, so I had time for people to kind of get on board, right? And then I had time to skill up people as well. So that eventually I would say it was probably almost two years in to me joining the organization. So then I look at my situation today when I, just because of everything that's going on, also different company, different culture, it's almost like we're just going. So for me, seizing the moment is really important because that moment doesn't always come by. And then you got to try to figure out the best way to do it. And I think fortunately for me, I, I would say in RB, the culture of this company such that people just kind of just pick things up and run with it. So you talked about the push and the pull, yeah. You know, and, and this is the power of scale. You get scale when people kind of want to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the interesting thing is in today's world, as you know, with a lot of tools that we have, you can see it. So I could see, for example, 
while I was speaking, we had a, a big kind of a global marketing conference two weeks ago. It was completely virtual. Um, first time we'd done that, but we managed, there were 2,000 over people around the world who were connected. Mm -hmm. And in the one hour that I was on, um, that I was speaking, I introduced a number of tools, gave people access. One of those got 305 uh, sign-ons while I was still speaking. Wow. Another one got 100 over. So we went, we kind of, it went up by six to 10 times the usage. This is good. So now the thing is, how do you keep that going, right? Because exactly. we don't want this huge yeah. bleep and, yeah. uh, and the idea is you would land high and, and how we continue to drive this. But it's a, it's a good sign, I think, uh, yeah. at least that people were interested. Yeah, yeah. And it's that continuing to show value uh, through building momentum and scale and business value. You know, how do, how do these decisions and this strategy help you make smart decisions? And that's ultimately what's, that's the important piece, isn't it? Really interesting to see how that's going to evolve for, for you guys. So let's just take it back a little bit in terms of outside job. We're in COVID, you know, and it's been, it's not been great, has it? I mean, life has not been good. What's the first thing you're going to do when we come out of this and this vaccine that proves to be, you know, effective? What's the thing that you're most missing, Elaine? And I, I think I could probably answer this question for you, knowing the conversations that we've had. Uh, I think so. This is, yeah, I would say, I was going to say, is it work or is it personal? But you know, it's both, right? Yeah. And all of it has to do with just meeting with people again yeah. in in a in more than six or more than two or outside my house. So you know, just getting people together. So I'll say like two things within within my kind of job remit. I have so many members of my team who I only know like this. Like I only know them virtually and it's been great, but, but I've actually never, we've never met face to face and I would love for us to be able to get together um, and, and talk, talk about all the things that we've been talking about, but I'll celebrate, I suppose, how well as well and how hard everybody has worked and done well this year, but also kind of really be together as we sort of craft our, craft our vision for the future. So that's there. And then personally, I just like, can't wait. I just need like a party on the beach with like 50 people, lots of bubbly, somewhere warm. <laughs> Personally, would be I, I'm south of France, Bali, like wherever we can go. Yes, yeah. You, you, you would be one of those fifty people, Babita. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely be there. Um, I can't wait for us to be able to do that again because there's a lot that we've taken for granted that I don't think we will take for granted moving forward. Um, but the, the people connection is absolutely the key thing. But I, I also think if there was two or three learnings that you had from current situation that you think you will take forward, because we go back to this word crisis, mm. there's the negative, but there's also positive. What are the two or three positives that you will then take forward when we come out of the, the situation that we're in? Yeah, I think that there, there are two things. One of them is, is obviously uh, we've really supercharged um, the way we're looking at digital and data and using this. So, that I think this has created, we were starting to do it, but this has created an inflection point. And the idea is I want to use this inflection point to drive it harder because that's what we were trying to do in the first place. So we've kind of almost got an accidental boost out of it. And I want to keep that going. Yeah. So that's one thing. So then the second thing is I actually think that this current situation has somehow also be, become 
it's almost been more democratic. Is it? We've also had the opportunity to democratize more of what we do. And what I mean by that is we've created access to more people. So to give you an example, this conference, as I was speaking to my manager about it, I said, normally when you have the launch of a, a new marketing function, let's say, right? You know, you're top three to 400 people, you get together in a place, you know, obviously you have this amazing meeting, you're on spot. Through this, in eight hours, we touch 2,000 over people. So the, the access through this virtual world has somehow inspired like 10 times more people than usual. And it's let us go all the way to the ground into, you know, I'm getting emails and contacts from ABF, like, you know, assistant brand managers in, in, in countries, uh, you know, Latin America, who normally in the past would never have, have thought probably about sending me a message or known who I was and I wouldn't know them. So both of those things, I think, are related to, to driving change, you know, which to me comes from not just tools and all that, but also from people. And that's something I would, I would like, to, like to continue going forward. Yeah. Wow. That was just an amazing conversation. Um, thank you so much for your time, Elaine. I've, I've known you for a long time, but I've learned so much more about you in this last hour or, uh, or I don't know how long it's been. But yeah, it's been a really inspiring, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Babita, for inviting me. Ryan, what did you think of that? It was fun. It was fun to listen to that interview. Yeah, you two um, clearly have a great relationship, um, but also, uh, given I know you both, it was it was just cool to be a fly on the wall. Um, you know, Elaine is is a powerhouse, as you said before. Um, she's a driven woman. She's super smart. She knows how to get stuff done. Obviously, a master of her craft. Uh, mm. and, and what I really liked is to younger folks and in, in, in their career, and, and particularly about being intentional and having a plan of where you want to go, but, but being mindful that um, it won't always happen that way. So being sort of flexible to change. Um, and I think that's really good advice. A, a lot of people want the goal, but don't set it. They, they, they're not yeah. clear enough of where they want to go or yeah. are too rigid when reality happens to say, well, this, this has happened. So let me embrace that change. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously as you plot Elaine's journey, I mean, you know, a lot of her family was living in Singapore and then she yeah. was living in Paris and then commuting back to Singapore and then to move everything to London. I mean, it, it's, it was the best thing for her mental health, her career growth to move to RB. Right. But, but also um, that is immense change. And I don't know that was as she scripted. Um, yeah. So I think it's commendable that as she's still, you know, she's done that her whole career, but as she's now in the C-suite, she's still doing that and still being adaptable. And I think that's really a, a commendable trait of Elaine's. Yeah, I think one of the things that she said to me was, I mean, as you know, most people fall into market research and she's one of the rare individuals that had properly mapped out her career. I mean, she makes me laugh when she said, well, I knew what I wanted to do, you know, when I was 12. So, you know, she's, as you say, very driven. Um, But moving recently over from Danone, uh, moving back, back to RB, landing in London at time of COVID with family being all over the place and, and just navigating a, 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 a very high profile role and the change that they were driving within RB at the time. But one thing that really struck me was, um, as you know, Elaine's half Chinese and she mentions um, the word crisis in Chinese is made up of two characters and they can mean either danger or opportunity. 
and how she's sort of used that philosophy and followed that philosophy in connecting with stakeholders in a very different way around RB. So, you know, really taking the opportunity of the current pandemic and, and not let the danger and the, the challenges hold her back. And um, yeah, just, just very, very impressive lady. And I was really happy that she was able to talk to us. And that, that, that point on, you know, crisis being, a, you know, a massive problem or an opportunity. I mean, it, it's just so important, right? And it links to the point that I was making too. Like she, stuff happens. Um, I say this to my kids all the time. The milk spills on the ground that you have, mm-hmm. you can sit there and feel sorry about it, or you can clean it up and, and move forward. And, and I think that that is just such good advice for people. And Babita, you can see the relationship between companies that did well during COVID and those that didn't. Um, and how they responded, right? Were they were they were they set up and in a position to take that as an opportunity? You and I happen to work for a company that was, uh, or not, right? And I think it's really good advice for people to hear. So speaking of what people mm. need to hear, we have uh, an interesting topic, um, one that's sort of top of mind for us on, as members of Zappi's leadership team, but mm-hmm. but also I think for anybody in their career, and it's about feedback. Yeah. Big word, Babita, and the misunderstandings around feedback. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on where people get feedback wrong? This is a very live topic for us because obviously we've just um, going through our, our 360 feedback. I think people get feedback wrong in many different ways. The first is, and I think when, because we're not in a very feedback heavy culture generally I mean I think Zappi is a lot better and we and we we are a lot better than a lot of organizations is then how to give feedback as well and I also think um, without feedback you get into a phase of do you really understand um, where you need to grow where you need to improve but also where you're doing well and timing of feedback as well is is another area that we tend to get wrong and it's something that we are working through live right now you know we've obviously just launched that app and um, the loop app which is about giving instant feedback and in the moment when it's fresh in mind and I've been experimenting with that and being able to go back to somebody immediately after they've done a presentation I thought that was great and it was great because of x y and z it's just so powerful um but then also I do feel once you've done that, it helps you give um, feedback, which is more around growth, because you know you've got that person's best interest at heart. Um, And then for me personally, I have these perceptions of, I feel I'm doing this well, I don't feel I'm doing that well. You sort of start growing that imposter syndrome, and it really helps you level set uh, what your colleagues think of you and where you can add value and where you can grow. So it's so important, so, so important, but it's something everybody is just frightened of either giving or getting. Or giving and, and giving or receiving, uh, I hate to use a judgmental word, but poorly. Um, yeah. You know, so, so are, we, are we taking feedback for what it is? And, and with the best of intentions, feedback is somebody else's observations of you. And so you have to be able to take that Mm. synthesize that understand where their biases exist mm. and process what's great for you mm-hmm. um and i you know like you i mean we're you know we do 360s we had an we have an amazing engineer at zappy christian who built this app that integrates into our slack instance where you can just give people 
feedback that relates to one of our values. And, and it, I've enjoyed that because I'm somebody who I used to work for a big company before Zappy and I hated the bubble up feedback till the end of the year employee appraisal kind of bullshit. And I like in the moment feedback. And, and one of the things that I think is useful when giving feedback is to be specific of a, around a, a situation. Um, but also when you're getting feedback, particularly constructive feedback, making sure you understand it with your ears open. Cause it, it's, it's just a natural human trait for us to get on the defensive when somebody is, um, mm. whether they deliver feedback poorly or not, right. Either way, mm. sometimes this stuff is here and there, there's obviously opportunity for improvement, but you know, Babita, one of the things that, um, I'm, I've been experimenting with is, and you know me, I'm somebody who's kind of never satisfied. I'm somebody who's always driving and it's, it's, a blessing and a curse, I think. Um, but one of the things that I've been experimenting with is when I see somebody do something excellent, instead of just giving them a high five, actually unpacking that, like, hey, let's 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 stop there and just talk about why that was so great, um, mm. what was so amazing about that, because people's strengths and their superpowers are things that we shouldn't take for granted, and I think it's incumbent upon people in leadership roles to put people in spots where their superpowers are amplified. And so as much as constructive feedback is amazing, I also think people need to be mindful of what they're great at and make sure that they're doing that all day and growing that. Yes, I, I totally agree. And for me, more it's about how to, how to give feedback. And from a, from a leadership perspective, how that's, that's important. And, you know, we are coming to year end. It's been a very, very difficult year for everybody. So... Um, that connection through feedback where you've seen somebody struggle but just done an excellent job is just going to be even more important I mean we were talking about in our leadership meeting today so um it could make somebody's day really make somebody's day that's right that's right so with that this is the official end of season one of Inside Insights Babita it was a lot of fun rumor has it season two is going to happen have you heard that yes I'm very excited We'd like to thank all of you for subscribing and listening to us. We're going to be back after the new year with a whole new slew of conversations and interviews. If there's, if you or somebody you know is somebody who Babita and I should be talking to, please hit us up either directly on LinkedIn or at insideinsights at zappystore.com. Um, and I just want to wish everybody a wonderful holiday season and to commend you for muscling through what has been a tumultuous year. Um, mm-hmm. And remind you that as we get through the other side of this, as vaccinations start to come out to, to grip the good things that you learned um, through this, this really tough time, but also get something to look forward to. Babita, I'm going to go to Jamaica and sit with my wife under a palm tree as soon as possible. And I can't wait. I'm going to go dancing as <laughs> soon <laughs> as I can. I love it. I love it. Well, Babita, it's been, it's been a pleasure. And I have to give a shout out to Kelsey Sullivan. Emma Vazquez, Ariel Madway, the people behind the scenes that have actually made uh, Inside Insights possible. And also shout out to Katie Sweet, who uh, is on mat leave, but was one of the original creators of the idea. Katie, we miss you. We can't wait till you come back. Um, and to everybody who's, uh, who's contributed, listened, and given us feedback. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great journey so far. So I look forward to season two. Bye, Thanks. everybody. Bye.